Welcome back to another episode of Moderately Confused. I am Serena Hussein, and we have Jason Muse here as well, both of us to speak again about current affairs, UK and US. How are you, Jason? Uh, I almost died on the freeway. What? Uh, talking oh shit to you. <laughs> I was really trying to maintain my composure with that intro, and then suddenly you're like, I almost died. Is it because dude, at the up? end of that, when I tried to hit the thing, because I had the, I was holding the phone weird to try to get my thumb up to the top right corner. I like dropped the phone. You could see it at the end of the video. It's hilarious. And then I like, what you don't see though is the other car almost hit on the freeway. <laughs> right. Okay. This is dangerous. Okay. So definitely don't try this at home. But we do. We've started to do a pre-show Instagram live, um, and it's usually Jason racing home because he's late and keeping me waiting. Right. Don't, first of all, don't 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 try to affirm stereotypes. Okay. First of all, last time. Okay. Okay. I, I, I was late, but, <laughs> but I had good reasons. I was getting off work and I work like 35 minutes away from where I live. Thank you very much. So I was, by the way, do you know that, do you know that we have the same stereotype? What do you mean? We call it. So, so Americans, when you say Asian, I know you, you're thinking about sort of Asia in the broad way. Actually, I find Americans, when you say Asian, you mean Chinese, you mean sort of like, Far East, yeah? That is common, yes. So British people, when we say Asian, we tend to think about South Asia. Well, not all British people. Obviously, you have, like, East Asian people in the in, in the British in Britain, who are British who use it in their way. But anyway, when we use Asian, we mean South Asian. So we have a stereotype about South Asian timing. We call it Asian timing. Okay. Where everyone's like three hours late. Yeah. Okay. I get it. You've got kind of brown timing. Brown timing? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, it's very. Anyway. But uh, let's give a proper introduction, though, to what we're actually doing. So, what is uh, the name of what we're, what we're doing? What is the name? The, the name of this episode? It's... Well, the name of this show. It's at the top of the. It starts with a C. I mean, I mean, I already did it in the intro. Oh, did you say that? No, you didn't say that. You, did, you yes. said you were confused, but you didn't say the other thing. I did. I said you it's did. another episode speaking about current affairs, okay. UK and US. All right. All right. I just wanted to and get I said, How are you, Jason? Everyone rewind. All right. All right. So never mind then. Uh, so what are we going to do first? Let's, um, I, I, feel, I feel like the UK lately has been all about Boris Johnson. So that's going to be like one conversation. That's my sort of like um, hunch. So let's go with one of your stories first, Jason. How's that, Jason? That sounds great. Let's do that. All right. So, I don't know why. I, I, uh, <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be fancy like I did last time. Oh, you fancy! Yeah, and I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to share my screen because reasons. Yeah, that was really fancy, actually. Right? Okay, and then, all right. Can you see my screen now? Yes, I can see all the tabs at the top with the indecent adult stuff that you've been watching as well. But go ahead. I don't lie to people. First of all, you can see all of these tabs clear as day. There's no indecent stuff. Don't do that. Don't play me like that. All right. Um. So. 
the first story that we're going to talk about is, of course, the Highland Park shooting that happened recently. It's another, yet another tragedy uh, uh, involving uh, shootings uh, in my country, uh, which is really, really, really into guns. Uh, I have a bone to pick with my uh, conservative libertarian types about that. Um, but yet another shooting um, that made the news. And uh, according to the story from the Chicago Tribune, um, uh, no bail for the accused shooter um, and who authorities say also considered a second attack in Wisconsin. Um, so just a couple of days ago, uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of this. This is a, a Lake County judge on Wednesday ordered uh, uh, Robert E. or Bobby Crimmel III accused of carrying out the rooftop massacre at Highland Park's Independence Day Parade. Uh, held without bail on seven counts of first-degree murder, uh, calling Cremo a specific and present threat to the community. Judge Theodore, uh, and I can't say that last name, we're just going to call him Theodore P., ordered him to remain in jail, and Cremo's next hearing is set for July 28th. Um, just after the hearing, Lake County uh, Deputy Sheriff Chris Covelli dropped a startling new allegation, telling reporters Cremo happened upon a celebration, quote-unquote, in Madison, Wisconsin uh, area after fleeing uh, Highland Park and seriously completed, uh, contemplated, I'm, I'm sorry, using the firearm he had on his vehicle to commit another shooting. Um, so not only did this person uh, commit a horrible atrocity uh, uh, with the weapon that he had, which, which uh, reportedly he obtained legally, uh, but he apparently, according to the deputy officer just named, uh, contemplated another attack, uh, which presumably would have ended up hurting and or killing more people. Um, now, uh, this is um, this kind of news. Every time this kinds of happen, it's almost like we some of us in this country have become numb to it because it happens uh, way too much, especially by a lot of other developed countries, uh, which are way more restrictive when it comes to gun laws than we are. Um, but uh, this this kind of embroils the age old gun debate, uh, which involves the Second Amendment and uh, this whole culture around a sense of entitlement that stems from the Second Amendment to guns. There are people in the country, typically right of center, who believe uh, that um, there's something uh, sacred about gun ownership, that gun ownership has a special connection with liberty, that it has a special connection with uh, protecting oneself from anything generally, uh, from lions and tigers and bears to your fellow man, uh, but also from protecting yourself against the government, apparently. Um, and so for that, that is a big part of why the libertarian conservative types are pretty staunch in their gun rights activism. Um, and typically when these kinds of atrocities happen, um, their whole thing is don't blame the gun and, and therefore uh, uh, try to justify taking my gun rights away as a legal gun owner and as a law-abiding citizen, uh, so they argue. Um, in, instead, uh, focus on other things like what causes uh, 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 people uh, such as the Highland Park shooter uh, to do what they do. Uh, focus in on things like mental illness, focus on things like uh, drug abuse, focus in on uh, things like illegal gun activity. Don't focus on the legal or law-abiding gun owners. Uh, I think there's a lot of problems with those kinds of arguments, but that is an argument that's standardly given. Um, those left of center, though, um, point out, I think, this something very intuitive, which is uh, the sheer amount of availability of guns has some kind of positive correlation uh, with the uh, frequency with which uh, uh, people are shot and killed by guns. Um, and it's not just a matter of mental illness, uh, though that's part of it. And it's not just a matter of uh, drug-related offenses, though that's part of it. Um, it's not even just a matter of our gun culture. It, 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 it's, it's really like 
it's a public safety issue. <laughs> and, and I, and this is one of those, uh, uh, things where I find myself more in alignment with those on the left than those on the right. I don't understand why we can't have common sense gun laws. Uh, and those on the right roll their eyes when I say that. But what I mean is I want guns to be as regulated as I want cars to be regulated. Um, and it's pretty good. It's a pretty good system. It's not a perfect system, but none of the government systems that we have are perfect systems, but I want guns to be as regulated as cars. And I don't think that that's somehow, uh, anti-liberty. And I don't think that that's somehow, um, destroys the Second Amendment or anything like that. Um, maximizing the amount of guns in our population clearly isn't the answer because we have the most guns per capita of any country and we have the most gun deaths per capita of any country that I know of. Um, or at least we're amongst the highest, uh, if we're not the highest, because I, I haven't looked at the data uh, recently, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, another tragedy. It sucks every time I hear about these kinds of tragedies, but then every time I turn around, there's another one. There's, there's probably, actually, I think there has been another one since this took place. But So those are kind of my general loose thoughts on that. Um, what, if any, uh, thoughts do you have? Yeah, um, I saw a headline. Was it a headline or a title somewhere? Thanks for that. It's quite thorough. Um, something along the lines of there's a, the reason why it's Independence Day is because we have the right to bear arms. So stop um, complaining. Or, uh, what the last bit wasn't in the title, but yeah. but the implication was, um, you know, it's not a discussion point. Like we're still going to have guns, and and there's that sort of real attachment to it. It's almost like it's a. Uh, it's such a fundamental right and people feel so extremely protective about that right. And I think as an outsider, is it because it's just so mental living in America that you need that kind of protection in parts of it? Otherwise, there would just be risk to safety. Is it that? I mean, this is a, a real zooming out. Okay, we have lost Jason. He'll be back in just one moment, and he's back. So uh, we lost you for a moment. Um, perhaps it was the shocking thing, the, like, the shocking statement or the opinion or the question I, I posed. <laughs> uh, it must be an interesting thing, but it must go on. Mm. So I was essentially talking about um, how people are so protective over this. And um, and I made a really flippant comment about how we've lost Jason again. Um, so maybe I'll stop making flippant comments because it's clearly like jarring the energy, Serena. Like, don't say anything more critical about the US. <laughs> Jason's wife doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a Wi-Fi issue. It's not a personal thing. But uh, yeah, so if that happens, just just keep rolling and wait till I come yeah. back, and then we'll just keep going because the show must go on. That's what we're gonna do. This is part of what we're doing is testing these kinds of things. Um, but uh, what, what I wanted to ask you, and if you answered it, I apologize because I did drop out there. Is what is your impression of us crazy uh, gun-toting Americans uh, in your country? Because I've I've heard uh, in passing people make comments akin to what I heard you start to say before. But I actually want you to delve in that a little bit deeper, if you wouldn't mind. Like, like does the con does the, the, the I tried to articulate it as, as clearly as I could, but does the idea that there's a sense of entitlement to guns? Um, in any way disturb you or is it confusing to to you or, or your fellow countrymen like what do you, well, what are your thoughts on that well actually i would probably separate myself from the sort of general opinion about it and i, I was probably 
I was probably spouting a little bit, a bit flippantly about sort of what the, um, I don't know, um, the slightly more ignorant kind of opinion is. Um, I personally feel that there should be regulation of it. And I also recognize that there are parts of the country, America, where um, it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, I don't really want to use random, or I might as well, it's like the Wild West, it's like you, um, you need to have some kind of order and protection, and it's not, you know, there's parts of the US that, that, you know, for instance, if 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 I if I may, um, I'll use Pakistan as an example where I have relatives and landowners as well. Um, some relatives are are land landowners, and they need to protect themselves and they need to protect their land. Um, so I can see the argument for having for having that kind of protection. Um, but then I also feel that it absolutely should be regulated. So that's actually my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't think that children should be allowed to, to, to have their application for a gun, for a firearm, whatever you want to call it, sponsored by a parent. That's, that's absurd to me. Mm-hmm. Because I know that that's what happened in this case where mm-hmm. the teenager, I believe he, he's a teenager, Actually, don't I don't recall his age. Um, right, but but he had um, his application for the firearm sponsored by his parent. I think I did hear that, but I I don't. Yeah. I want to verify it real quick. But yeah, I think I I think that is true. Yeah, yeah, that's in the a couple of stories that I did actually tune into, and so that's quite shocking to me. So I would say that's where sort of um, regulation isn't happening. That that's where something. So it seems like at the time that he committed the crime, he he was twenty one years old. Okay. Um. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't that he didn't have access to the weapon, you know, prior. when he was yeah prior. Um, so it says the 21 year old suspect in the mass shooting at the Fourth of July parade in suburban Chicago that left seven dead and more than 30 wounded is an aspiring rapper. <laughs> I don't, I don't really care about that. Uh, but yeah, that, so so the, and according to ABC News, it, it, he was 20, he is 21 years old, and, and, and since this happened a few days ago, he must have been 21 years old at the time of the shooting, unless he just had a birthday. And at the, so the youngest he would be is 20. Um, I do believe that you are able to purchase a firearm once you turn 18 in most states. Um, which which makes sense because you can join the military at 18 and you would have access to a firearm. There are people who proposed uh, actually bringing the age up to, to 21 and even even higher. Um, there's some awkwardness with that kind of uh, thing. But yeah, so I, I can confirm that he's 21 years old. Um, so in terms of him having access to a weapon earlier, yeah. um, I, I don't know how that's relevant to what happened recently. Um, there may be a wider point about uh, just just uh, how our policies work and, and criticisms about gun policies and how, how relatively easy it is for, um, I guess, crazy people to get access to guns. But yeah. I I think know, it really depends about, on the state. I think the point is about maturity and about um, a license being given to somebody who's mature and who's with sort of in sort of the right mind, sort of state of mind. Mm-hmm. To, to be having a firearm i wonder if there's um a study i'm sure there's loads of studies um i wonder if there's a study comparing the states to other countries where firearms are allowed and 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 to compare the regulation of them and then the incidents as well um 
it's really there are studies that compare but they compare various different things i don't i haven't read any comprehensive studies that doesn't mean that they don't exist that just means that i'm not as familiar with them i've read some studies that compare the, what's hard about it is that america's really huge uh and that america's uh governmental structure is pretty unique um because we have kind of our state governments and they are kind of the proper locales when it comes to uh, gun laws in ways that other other countries don't really have. I don't know that Germany has anything like that, for example. I don't know that Australia has anything quite like that in terms of the division be of power between the federal government and the state governments and things like that. Also, we're really, really highly populated. Um, so then there's, that's going to impact the whole per capita thing. And that, if you're going to use that as a common metric, that's, that's, that gets a little dicey. So those are the things that I remember about why those comparisons are a little awkward. But they, but they are informative in the sense of um, the the countries that have uh, a lot of well, there's general trends that aren't universally true, but but from what I recall, and I'm, man, I'm really rusty on this data, is that the countries that have uh, some of the more restrictive gun laws, where basically no one has guns, clearly they don't have a lot of gun deaths per capita. Um, they're among the lowest, and so if you just compare America to developed countries, yeah. whatever criteria you have for that, um, those kinds of trends kind of hold. But then you have places like Australia where it's kind of complicated. But even Australia. Um, they've, they've done like buyback programs and stuff like that, but Australia has way less gun debts than we do, uh, per capita, if I recall correctly. But again, take all of this with a grain of salt. Cause I haven't looked at the data recently and I don't, I don't want to misinform. So I'll just say there have been studies like that or in that vein. Um, but they're kind of, I, from what I recall, they're kind of like inconclusive other than the conclusion that I kind of just summarized, which is in general, if you make it really hard for people to get guns, you make it really hard for people to kill people with guns. <laughs> um, and uh, the United States' biggest obstacle is enshrined in our Constitution is the Second Amendment. And so being really, really, really strict on guns is, like, impossible. And we've had so many guns. At this point now, we have so many guns in circulation that even if tomorrow we ended the Second Amendment, we'd have the problem of how we get rid of all the guns that are already currently in circulation. Right. Um, not to mention the whole aspect of or advent of 3D printing of guns. There you go. Um, so people can literally manufacture their own guns. Um, and that technology is getting better and better and better. And if, if you went through a gun prohibition that was really, really strict, that technology would, would, would be highly incentivized to be developed even faster than it already is. So it's, it's really tough. Um, it's really tough. Yeah, it's a really complicated issue. Um, but yeah. I'm glad we covered it. Shall I jump into Boris Johnson? Oh, goody. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us about the old boy. So I'm sure as you, I'm sure you've all heard by now that the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, I, I don't know if you noticed, you couldn't see my hands, I suddenly kind of went into newsreader mode and I kind of did this with my hands. So the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has resigned as Conservative Party leader. He has said that he has said that he's going to be now also stepping down as Prime Minister, but not for a few months. That's not how others, the majority of the people who asked for him to leave and step down feel, that they think he should leave immediately. There's been a string of events, there's been a string of resignations, high-profile cabinet, sort of senior minister resignations, and then other ministers have also resigned prior to him um, saying that he would actually stand down. So we're now in this period of instability 
But I will say, interestingly, the pound, the value was up <laughs> yesterday. So um, there we go. Um, but uh, I'm not an economist and I don't spend that much time looking at uh, those kinds of things. But I'll quickly give you the latest um, in terms of the conservative leadership race. Um, so who wants to be the new leader of the Conservative Party and therefore the Prime Minister? Um, and what the opposition, Sir Keir Starmer, has to say right now, what's his position? So very quickly, the Conservative leadership race is on. Former Chancellor Rishi Sunak made his bid this afternoon Today's Friday, the 8th of July, launching his Ready for Rishi campaign. Ready for Rishi. Um, with a video about his grandmother arriving in Britain in the 1960s. Hmm. Um, Sakir Starmer, who's the leader of the Labour Party in the opposition, has said voters can trust him after being cleared by police of breaking COVID rules in the so-called Beer Gate saga. He said integrity matters in politics, adding that people have lost faith in politicians. And Starmer has also called for a general election. So it's it's difficult because the opposition, Keir Starmer, can only really be like prime minister if he calls you know if they call for a general election. Whereas there can be a new prime minister and a new sort of via the sort of the Conservative Party. They just have to go through their own process, which you would say is much less sort of instability. But then many who feel that they've lost faith in the whole Conservative Party would want another sort of general election. But I have really mixed feelings about this because I feel like there's been a whole string of events prior to this um, sort of like straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. And why now? <laughs> why now? Um, obviously, there was a, a major event where his um, deputy chief whip um, had been charged. Wait, I've got to get this right. Let's just talk about an allegation. I've got to get the a bit about him being charged. Um, correct. I'm not sure. But anyways, um, alleged um, sexual har harassment. So um, that was sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back because people felt that Boris Johnson was aware um, in 2019 that there was a rumour that his deputy whip uh, was uh, conducting themselves in an inappropriate manner, yet sort of sort of turned a blind eye. When he was questioned about the integrity of the government and the Conservative Party in a recent liaison committee um he said, okay, get ready for this. He said, there's an issue with alcohol. People in, in government, I guess, or in the Conservative Party, but in government, like maybe in Downing Street when they're having parties or whatever, there's an issue with alcohol. And that was it. So it's a really sort of bizarre statement to make um, because then it came back with a flurry of responses, which is like, are you excusing, are you excusing sexual harassment by saying it's because people can't handle their drinks. So it's been a really bizarre 48 hours and that's a very, very quick breakdown. What are your thoughts, Jason Muse, on what's going on this side? So for me, it's really bizarre and I'm coming at it with, with a kind of cursory understanding because because I, 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 very, I barely know anything about politics outside of my own country. But my so one of the things that helps me kind of understand it to whatever extent that I do, and perhaps sometimes maybe helps me misunderstand it is like I relate it to things that have happened that are similar in my country. So a lot of the scandal that is uh, surrounding Boris Johnson, 
um, is in some sense loosely analogous to the kind of scandal um, that was surrounding um, um, Cuomo in New York, uh, who was the governor, who was the former governor of New York. Yes, yes. Um, and he had so first of all, the the, the first kind of Wave of scandals had to do with how he handled COVID. Um, and he, he wrote a book, which I think he made like $4 million on, uh, about how well he handled COVID. But all the while, it, we, we came to find out later that he was uh, putting uh, people known to have COVID into nursing homes, which was maximizing the amount of people who were dying of COVID. Um, and he had the ability to use a, a, a hospital ship that Trump sent, but he didn't want to give Trump the W, uh, at least there are people who accuse him of that. And that, that seems like a very reasonable thing to, to c- conclude. Um, and then he covered up those numbers. Uh, and then all while the, the, the left-leaning mainstream media was accusing Ron DeSantis of doing precisely that kind of thing. But actually, their hero in New York, who was supposed to, I guess, in some sense, take over uh, and run against Trump, uh, at, at least at some point uh, <laughs> uh, before all of this happened, um, kind of soiled his name. And then, and then on top of that, then he got uh, marred in a kind of Me Too scandal. Uh, several women came forward and accused him of various forms of sexual harassment. Um, and then the photos went public and they did not look good at all. The optics of it were terrible. Um, and and uh, it, it just was not a good look. Um, and then his brother got involved. Uh, his brother, uh, who works for CNN or used to work for CNN, um, so Governor Cuomo, and then I believe the CNN, the former CNN anchor, I believe is Chris Cuomo. I think I, for, I forgot the brother's name. I forget their names. I, then, I know they're both Cuomo. Um, I don't want to mix them up. But apparently the, the his brother that we're working on CNN got involved uh, to, to, to uh, allegedly uh, pressure some of his accusers <laughs> uh, and keep them from coming forward to kind of cover for his brother. And so all of that was the scandal. Now, I don't want to detract from Boris Johnson because I did that last time. I'm trying to so I'm go back to Boris Johnson. So a lot of the scandal that, that I know about from him, um, from a cursory reading from earlier, is that there were several different scandals. But one of them was, was some kind of sexual scandal that he was, that he was uh, impl- implicated in. Um, and I want to read this correct. Uh, so it says the final blow for Mr. Johnson, who had previously fended off several other scandals, was his handling of allegations of sexual impropriety against Chris Pin- Chris Pincher, a high-ranking Tory lawmaker, uh, and Downing Street's uh, uh, shifting answers about the prime minister, uh, what the prime minister knew and what he didn't know. Um, and then it says Johnson desperately fought to keep his job despite dozens of resignations from his government. So there were people resigning um, under him and there were a whole bunch of questions about what he knew, and what he didn't know. And so that was like a big part of the scandal. And any kind of san- scandal that involves uh, sexual allegations of any kind uh, has, a, has a kind of distinctive stamp of impropriety or immorality. And, and it's the kind of thing that, that makes people clutch their pearls. Uh, and, I don't, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I just, I just mean that that's the kind of thing that people uh, really feel very strong about and so um, that's the sense in which I'm kind of analogizing it to, to, to Cuomo because there was there was a, the allegations were of a sexual nature um, so I that's that's the cursory understanding of it is like his his term as a prime minister was embroiled by all of these scandals and so it's eroded the public trust in his ability to get things done even by members of his own party but also members of uh, the opposing parties um, I don't fully understand what a Tory lawmaker is 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 a, is a Tory a name for somebody of a particular party affiliation? Is that's, that is that what yeah. it is? That's Boris Johnson's party. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 So I'm learning things. Um, 
So I don't, I don't, I don't really get a, I don't have a strong sense of the different parties that y'all have in your country. But I do know that there are different parties, and they, and they kind of compete. And so now the, the questions are more like, it's not a matter of whether he's going to step down; it's a matter of when is the best time for him to step down, and who's going to replace him. Um, yeah. do, I, do I have it about right? Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like I, I because I, I part of me is really jaded about politics. It's like <laughs> eh, like this is not. I'm not surprised <laughs> that any politician is embroiled in some in, in, in this kind of thing. Um, I do. I am curious as to what um, evidence there was of his impropriety, other than mere allegation. Uh, I think that that matters generally. But um, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to comment on it because I don't have the kind of same yeah. investment in it. But what do you think? I mean, th- th- there were a whole sort of string of accusations, and and there was evidence as well. Um, but I think what I'm more interested in at the moment, and if I may take us on a bit of a tangent, and this sort of sort of zooming out a little bit, there's been a lot of uh, opinion about what a leader should be and the kind of leader, the kind of prime minister that the citizens want to have. And so they're, they're being questioned on the street by journalists and they're all saying the same thing. We want somebody with integrity. We want somebody with honesty. And it's been bugging me. And, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And I'm like, yeah, I've got to ask Jason this question because um, I think that this makes for an interesting sort of philosophical conversation. I don't believe that any leader, especially in politics, can be fully trustworthy. And the reason why I think that is because, number one, to win elections and to win an electorate and then to sort of sustain your position, you have to pivot. You've got to know when to pivot and how to pivot. So you, so it's hard to remain sincere to one particular interest or to one particular sort of um, uh, yeah, interest, as I said. So you've got to pivot. There's got to be sort of, there will be losses and there could be losses of in sort of support as well because you've got to maintain sort of power, I guess, um, and your position. Um, but f- also I question this thing called sort of integrity and being trustworthy. Like what if we broke those down? What do they actually mean? Because I don't, I wouldn't expect the same kind of integrity and sort of, uh, let's just say, integrity from a prime minister or president as I would from, say, somebody in my family. And, but I think people tend to use these very global ideas and apply them sort of willy nilly without sort of thinking critically about. Um, what is reasonable to expect. Now, I'm not saying it's reasonable to expect bad conduct, but what I'm saying is why are we expecting our statespeople or statesmen to be saints? So I'm inclined to disagree with parts of what you said, but I, I haven't. Yes, we finally disagree. I, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. So what I'm what I'm trying to establish is a potential for disagreement because I want to think about all the sides of it. So I'm going to start by by kind of temporarily disagreeing just to push back because I want to I want to explore some things. Mm. I, I do think that it's. 
I do think that it's intuitively it's reasonable to ex- to have high expectations for our political leaders uh, because ideally you would want to um, elect or whatever the process by which you you determine your leaders. So in a democracy, it's like it's, it's through elections, um, but you would you would want to determine your the 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 you would want to weed out uh, the leaders who who lacked integrity and lacked character and you would want to have ideally the ones with the highest amount of those um i think it's reasonable to to to, to look at those in the in the kind of political spaces virtues and so it, it makes sense to expect that in in the moral sense of expectations right I, like in in the in the way that that a parent might expect their child who they've raised correctly to act in a certain manner even though we recognize that there's a potential for them to not act in that manner mm-hmm. and to fail we we still have expectations for their behavior in that sense of expect, um, and that's there's a little bit of nuance of there's, there's there's a nuance I'm trying to name because because there's a sense in which when you say expect, you could mean it in the kind of moral sense like like you recognize that a person ought to act in a certain way, uh, versus a more descriptive sense of expectation like I expect the sun to come up tomorrow not because it's morally wrong if the sun doesn't come up tomorrow but because like. <laughs> all indications of certain kinds of uh, uh, planetary phenomena and solar, uh, solar system-based p- phenomena um, make it a reasonable thing to expect. That's mm. more of a descriptive kind of expectation. And I don't think that it makes sense, given the patterns that we've seen in our politicians, especially lately, to have an expectation in the descriptive sense of high moral character. But mm-hmm. in the moral sense, I think it does make sense. So I'm, so I wanted to tease that out because there's a sense in which I actually agree with you, but only in that distinct, that descriptive sense, mm-hmm. the moral sense, I actually disagree with you. I think we want to expect that. And, and there's a certain kind of moral failing on our part as a citizenry if we don't expect that. Why would we lower our expectations for our leaders, our political leaders? That has all kinds of negative implications for us insofar mm-hmm. as they are more likely to be derelict in their duties and their official capacity in public service. So that's the sense in which I would. But I don't know if I'm disagreeing because I'm really trying to like tease out nuance that yeah. wasn't really teased out. I think we do agree, unfortunately. Um, but I think that there's those sort of instances where a leader has something sort of unsavory come up from their past or um, they have a sort of a mishap, a slip up, and then they're just like cancelled or they are um, deemed sort of untrustworthy. And and we're not sort of like balancing things. And this is a really general example. Um, and there's so many specific ones that we could actually sort of actually get into, um, perhaps in another episode. Um, actually, maybe that could just be a title. But um, I agree. I agree that we absolutely ought to expect these things when we are looking to sort of put a tick or a cross or whatever on a ballot. Um, that we ought to expect the best from these people who will represent us. So in the UK system, it's your sort of your local representative in your constituency or borough, whatever you like, um, that you want to make sure that they're going to do the absolute best that they can possibly do. Um, and that if they fall short of that, then they haven't kept it to their sort of campaign promises. Um, so I agree, but 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 I, but I do feel that with a lot of the commentary coming out after the fact that there's this 
sort of um, almost like this vain, vain naivety where the next person is going to have to be absolutely like the antithesis of this person. Like we need somebody who is going to be so honest, so true, so like, you know, almost like a saint um, because we, we need to sort of course correct or whatever. And that I think, that I think is, um, eh, is eh, silly. Well, I, I think there's nuance there too. I, I think yeah. it would be silly if you if you presumed uh, that the next person is going to be better merely because it's ideal that they are or merely because you wanted to and this kind of like positive thinking kind of the universe is going to give me what I want kind of thing. Yeah. I think that is naive, but like what, what in the, in the kind of moral sense to, to, to recognize that a politician who's on their way out of office was bad in a bunch of identifiable ways and was less than ideal in a bunch of identifiable ways to want to not repeat that in the next person to want the other person to learn from those mistakes and to be better that that's not naive that's actually the most rational response to a failed politician imaginable in my opinion so to romanticization going on though say it again people get a bit romantic about it maybe and maybe and maybe there's maybe there's a maybe that's where the naivety stems from but you don't have to be romantic insofar as you aspire to uh, vote for or elect somebody who's going to demonstrate or exemplify uh, the, 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 the you know, character in their official capacity as a, as a public servant that the, that the previous person that they're replacing did not, right? Now, sometimes we get really petulant in our politics because what we do is we identify that this person is associated with a certain rival party that we don't like. And we say it's because they are a Democrat or a Republican or a Tory or whatever, or a labor party member or whatever, uh, that that's the reason why they sucked so much. And that's not, that's not really nuanced or careful. Um, and so what we do is we, well, we need, we need the, we need a, obviously we need a member of the opposite party because, <laughs> or another party because that party sucks. Yeah. That that's not, that's not really careful or nuanced, especially when, when when you end up doing is just electing another person with the same character deficiencies but just with a different party affiliation that's that that doesn't serve our politics at all so so i think that this kind of thing happened in my country people were really fed up with trump and trump has a lot of shortcomings i i can talk your ear off about trump's shortcomings not a perfect man at all and in a lot of ways i actually do think that there's some credence to the criticisms that in some sense he kind of brought the bar down when it comes to the expectations that we have associated with the united states presidency right by comparison to somebody like barack obama or whatever barack obama had some shortcomings too but he was presidential Presidential. he he was presidential so yeah he he dropped it in a bunch of knots with the decorum for sure and with some of his asinine tweets and his um his his kind of uh, uh blatant disregard for for respect <laughs> both self-respect yeah. and respect for others um his boisterousness uh his egocentrism etc um so what a lot of people did was they were like well we'll we'll, we'll vote for anyone as long as it ain't him mm. and then that got us joe biden and uh, Joe Biden is a man with a lot of shortcomings too. 
And the what? fact that he's associated with Barack Obama does not mean that he doesn't have shortcomings. The idea that 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 the idea that that Joe Biden is such a market improvement over Trump is ridiculous at this point, <laughs> given the way the country is going. And he his administration is desperate to convince most of us in this country that all of the problems that we're facing are not his fault, but the fault of everyone else, including Vladimir Putin and a whole bunch of other circles. Just it's the pandemic's fault. Everything's the pandemic's fault. And if it's not the pandemic's fault, it's Vladimir Putin's fault for sure. And if it's not the pandemic or Vladimir Putin's fault, uh, then it's it's somebody else's fault. <laughs> Maybe it's Trump's fault uh, from years ago, even though he's not president and hasn't been president for years. Um, or it's the evil, no good, uh, evil, very bad Republicans' fault. But it's never, it's never Joe, it's never Joe Biden's fault. No, nothing's ever Joe Biden's fault. Like that, that annoys me to no end. So, like, yeah. But again, you know what we do? Very U.S. centric. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what we should do? Wait, should let's do, do an episode. We could have put this in the in our grid, in our sort of like um, list of um, suggestions. Let's do an episode where we both come with like three examples of really. I don't know, successful, we'd have to like break down what successful means, like um, leaders from history mm-hmm. and br- make sure they're really different. And now let's break down what made them so good or successful or good at the job or whatever, like whatever we can, we, we can discuss this, but I think that will make for a really interesting conversation because I'd be really like keen to see what you pick, who you pick and why you pick them. Let's do it. Okay, I'm down. We're not gonna do it right now, but <laughs> okay. Should we go into your story next? All right, yeah, we're gonna go into a second story, and I'm gonna uh, bring back my fancy thing. One of these days, I'm gonna have you show your stories. Uh, it's gonna be like a show and tell kind of thing. Okay. That you? Can you see my screen? Not yet. You can't. Oh, you see the fancy thing again? Oh, you fancy? Yeah, can you see it though? That was, but no, I can't see your screen. You, you know? cannot see my screen. Okay. Well. To work on my um, Bay Area accent. Your Bay Area accent. What is a Bay Area accent? Uh, it's really a, a really? set of speech patterns. Speech patterns. Um, uh, local slang and things like that. Like hella, we say hella out here. Hella. Uh, that's usually that's a phrase that we use to indicate that there's a, a lot of something or there's a, a high intensity of something. So like uh, like I just did a workout and it was hella hard. Or uh, for oh, real, man, you, you see my you see my you see my uh, my new paycheck bonus. I got hella money. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say in my accent. No, I don't want you to say. You're hella tired, Jason. Oh, God, Ugh, gross. Okay, can you see my screen now? Can you see my screen now? The, yeah. the article. Okay, it's hella good. Oh God. Okay, so uh, I forgive you. So, uh, Newsweek article. Uh, the this is going to be more of a culture thing. Um, so, uh, not too long ago, Twitter suspended Dave Rubin, uh, and Twitter suspended Dave Rubin for an interesting reason. Twitter suspended Dave Rubin for sharing a tweet from Jordan Peterson, who had also been suspended for that tweet. <laughs> so we have a kind of like like 
like Twitter bans inception going on. Like like you yeah. apparently you can get banned for sharing a tweet that's banned. And to a certain extent, I, I to be fair, like it, that's probably not surprising um, because because otherwise the per, the person would be able to effectively get around the ban. So on some level, I can understand why that might be a good idea. But what was what what Jordan Peterson was banned for um, is kind of itself uh, a source of controversy. Um, okay, so. The article reads from Newsweek, Twitter suspends Dave Rubin for sharing Jordan Peterson's Elliot Page tweet. Yeah. Now, I don't know if this is going to get us bad or whatever, but like, I'm going to try to tread softly here because I'm not of, of the same stature as Jordan Peterson or Dave Rubin. So my black ass could probably be banned like that. And nobody would even notice because we have all of like 17 followers. But um, Elliot Page is an a- 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 actor. It's a person yeah. who acts, uh, and this person is 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 trans now, I believe, or non-binary, one of those, and oh, they're, they're they're so they're trans man now. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so Elliot Page is a trans man now, uh, but Elliot used to have a different name. Yes. And that name is spelled E L L E N, like like degenerates. Like yes, that, that's what the former name, the dead name, is spelled. I, I don't want to say it, but that's what yeah. the name is spelled. Yeah. Uh, that used to be Elliot's name. Elliot's name is now Elliot. But Jordan Peterson uh, posted a tweet about Elliot and used Elliot's dead name and uh, stated uh, in his tweet that Elliot had gotten top surgery and things like that, and in some sense was expressing disapproval about it. And uh, I, I presumably because of the dead naming um, and presumably because this is like something that you can uh, see as an attack uh, on Elliot, uh, Jordan Peterson was banned, but it wasn't really clear why he was banned because apparently you can be banned from Twitter and then they don't really have to explain to you specifically. And the only reason I know this is because Jordan Peterson was big mad and he made a whole ass video about it uh, right after he announced he's going to be working with the Daily Wire. <laughs> So yeah. then Dave Rubin was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Jordan Peterson got banned for such and such. And then Dave Rubin got banned. Dave Rubin yeah. is a gay man. Um, he is, I guess, a classical liberal. That's what he describes yeah. himself as. Um, but because he dares to disagree with wokeness, uh, he's being labeled right wing, I guess, by some people. Um, whatever his politics, uh, he's clearly not as right wing as uh, Jordan Peterson is, and it's not even clear how right wing Jordan Peterson is, and he's not as right wing as Dave Shapiro or excuse me, Ben Shapiro. Sorry. Um, uh, so I don't really know where he is. He's probably somewhere in the middle. He might be slightly to the left of of even me. I don't I don't know really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's willing to engage with people. Anyway, he got banned too. Um, and so that's kind of a good summary. I don't want to read this. I, I just wanted you to know that this is a story that exists. But um, it, the, the dead naming thing and and the whole like Twitter. Uh, basically trying uh, to institute policies that I guess are designed to protect uh, certain groups of people, i.e. the trans and non-binary community, from certain forms of harassment that that, uh, are associated with contributing in some non-trivial way to suicidal ideation and and suicide rates. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to be the justification that's, that's given for these policies. But these policies seem very strange because it's not clear exactly what the infraction is and like are you not allowed to acknowledge that a person who changed their name and transitioned did so like are and and, and in what way in, in what way does it make sense to limit people's ability to be able to just objectively describe that that took place but like, is it yeah but, is it because but, 
interpreted it in a derogatory way, apparently, apparently. Well, that's how it was interpreted, but it wasn't even clear that that was true. And then it's not clear, even if Jordan Peterson did it in a derogatory way, it's not clear that Dave Rubin pointing mm -hmm. out that Jordan Peterson got banned for that is itself derogatory. So why ban Dave Rubin? That, that's what's perplexing about it. It's like the second level of ban. It's, it's, it's almost as if this is the policy, even though it's well-intended, has become silly. And, and, that's, and that's what I suspect here, because a lot of wokeness starts off with the best of intentions and quickly becomes uber-radical and uber-silly. And so that's what I'm wondering. But what do you, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe I'm missing something. I don't think you're missing anything. I'm um, a little puzzled myself. I believe that it's a something as simple yet not quite reasonable that they don't want somebody that has a stature and following that Jordan Peterson has to speak critically about a protected community and I think that that's like a bit of a broad approach to it fine um, but then if you were to look at what Jordan Peterson actually said you could argue that he didn't do that so um, I think it's a bit puzzling. I'm puzzled um, by it all, but there's a lot going on on the sort of social media landscape that puzzles me. I know Elon Musk chimed in um, after the Jordan Peterson ban and just also after the Rubin one as well, where he said that there's something sort of awry. I don't know what his exact words were. I'm just scanning his tweets, but um, I know Elon Musk himself um, tweeted something he responded to what happened so yeah um i find it all puzzling that's all i got should we read the tweet or should we get or will that result in us getting banned before we even get started <laughs> yeah let's, let's like i don't know and, and it's not because oh, i don't want to be banned it's because i just don't see the point in reading the tweet well well it will enable people to judge for themselves whether what he did was an infraction in their minds, or I can not. I can. I can. I can. We can censor ourselves. I just didn't see the point. Okay, I, I won't force it. I wanted to read it, but I won't if you unless you say. It. I need a. I need an enthusiastic <laughs> yes from you. On your own channel, yeah, mate. Yeah, not on mine and not on my time. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just don't. Yeah, but it's got to be a unanimous, and so we only have half the votes necessary right now, yeah, which is my vote. Sure. So I need. I need a yes from you, or I'm not going to do it. All right, we're moving on then. <laughs> well, okay, we're not going to move on to... So I want to talk about this still a little bit more because I want to go into one thing that is bugging me a little bit, and that is... So kind of in the background is the whole thing about um, Elon Musk imminently acquiring Twitter. And part of what he has characterized as his mission is to make Twitter uh, more open and fair politically. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and, and, and it does seem that it's fairly obvious that Twitter has a left-leaning bias. Anybody who denies that is just lying. Um, 
you can it, like we can be objective enough to recognize that. And the same with the, the Daily Wire has a right leaning bias. Like that's obvious. Anybody who denied that would be lying. Fox News has a right leaning bias. CNN has a left leaning bias. Twitter clearly has a left leaning bias. That's obviously true. Um, and their policies are 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 exemplars of that. The dead naming policy um, and uh, the policy with respect to pronouns uh, is a is a reflection of ideological presuppositions that hail from the left exclusively. So I think that that's obviously true. Now, so with Elon Musk, I mean, the fact that Elon Musk is chiming in is, 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 is more significant or the significance of it is maximized because of this going on in the background. And I'm, I'm curious to, to, to hear your thoughts. Is, is this just another example of the kind of thing that Elon Musk is supposedly going to rescue Twitter from? is this kind of, let's call it putative, woke silliness, uh, however well-intended it is. Um, or is that, just, is that just a kind of a false narrative or a, a quote-unquote right-wing talking point that should be dismissed? And what we should really be focusing in on uh, are the vulnerable trans and non-binary people. What do you think? Jason. <laughs> uh, what do I think? That's such a big question. It's such a big one. Um, sir, could you break it down for me? <laughs> Question's too big to quantum. Now who's dumb? <laughs> you want the you want the dumb American to break it down to your levels? What do you want? No. Okay, well, I mean, you've, like, killing me. Well, um, you know well, what? Find in a way that you feel comfortable. I I don't want to. No, no I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna answer. I'm just like you know killing time (laughs) (laughs) i think it's a little bit too easy to think that and and to expect that twitter is going to suddenly get rescued um by elon musk who's now not a supporter of the democrat party and who now sees himself as does he actually does he actually say he sees himself as moderate yeah i think he used the word moderate um I don't know he, that he used that word, but he's not a conservative. He's a classical liberal, and he's he's a, a, similar to me. No, but he's by the the road no, the Democrats have gone. The you, right, yeah, he did say that, but that doesn't mean he's. So that's that's what's interesting about it is the reason why he won't do that is because he perceives the Democrats as having abandoned classical liberalism for yeah. wokeness. That's why he doesn't support. And I mean, Joe Rogan has a similar stance too. Um, but he at least it, it, he didn't declare it like always and forever. He I think he declared it at least for the time being, um, at least for the upcoming elections. He's not going to support Democrats yeah. um, right now. I'm kind of in that same vein. I'm not really inclined to support very many Democrats these days, but I wouldn't declare for always and forever. I would never support a Democrat again. It really depends on the Democrat. <laughs> like that's the point. Like I, I, I don't like this of people being coming tribalistic. So maybe he's guilty of that, but I didn't read his statement as that. But, but maybe no, no, I, I, no, I was going to say that he is. I, I think it's too easy to do that, to, to suddenly okay. think that, oh, he's going to rescue Twitter from its wokeness. And and I think then um, I agree with you that sometimes we can then just get caught up in the sides and then miss opportunities where somebody actually does need to be protected so so i think it's easy to get caught up in the side so so i agree with you i think what you did there you said is he going to rescue it or is it another talking point that's distracting us 
Mm-hmm. Are you saying it's a bit of both? I'm saying I'm saying it's um, uh, potentially a distraction. That's the smoothest non-answer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, I think this I, is a distraction. I agree with you. No, no. Well, I, I actually share the, the worry. I, I, and that was an honest question. I wasn't just trying to be provocative, although I did embrace the provocativeness of the question because I do think that it does. It that we do need to have room in our discourse to talk about groups of people in our society who have legitimate grievances against certain societal practices that negatively impact them um, uniquely and don't negatively impact other people, particularly if they're a minority faction of our society, right? They're less than 1% of our society, which I think trans and non-binary people are. Um, Then it does make sense to have room in our discourse for for, uh, 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 systems, policies, uh, norms, et cetera, that are designed in such a way as to be inclusive of them and to not discriminate against them or enable forms of discrimination. However, there, there is a question of when that kind of consideration or thing goes too far. Like you, it, it, there is such a thing as going too far in trying to protect people from certain things, mm-hmm. especially if you deem merely disagreeing with them as somehow constituting an injustice against them. That's asinine. And so we need to be able to have room in our discourse to be able to criticize when the compassionate inclination goes too far too. And so what my question is really devised at getting at, and I'm sorry if I'm being too overly philosophical, but I'm trying to compensate for the, the dumb stereotype that you placed on me is like, like where's the line? Where, how do we know when we're doing either one? Because we both don't. are bad. Good. We don't, right? And that's what discourse is for. And that's the whole point of trying to constantly figure things out. Um, we don't. Um, and I think, I can understand why, you know, the, the sort of like need is there because we are in this sort of like very extremely polarized um, place. But um, this is a very sort of non-academic informal answer. And that is we can't know and only time will tell. I'm being very spiritual about this. <laughs> like Embrace what it is. No, <laughs> I'm really not. Um, I, um, I, I'm a fan of Jordan Peterson. I like his stuff. I watch the video. I'm inclined to agree with Jordan Peterson, but I'm not about to um, start tweeting all kinds of stuff and getting involved in a side, in that sort of like social media sort of, tweeting kind of activism way um and so i'm not that invested in twitter and that's why i'm like eh whatever happens happens um <laughs> as long as nothing happens like to this. youtube tweets like this. literally no one tweets like this <laughs> people do nobody tweets like this. people do people don't even play video games like this anymore <laughs> nobody tweets like this Nobody uses their phone like this ever. Like, this is not a thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Moderately Confused Podcast. No, I, I think your your point stands. I, I, I'm i actually, ambi- I'm more ambivalent, it seems, than you are about Jordan Peterson because I think that the, the video, Jordan Peterson's video came off to me as a little bit more about his hurt feelings than it was about the substantive point he was making, although he did make substantive points along the way of expressing his it hurt just feelings. Seems like- his whole chest 
I mean, he was cursing and stuff. He was big mad. Like, I, I it actually was kind of like, I was like, Jordan Peterson, damn, you mad as hell. But like, and I can get over that to get through to the substance of what he was saying uh, about the kind of ambiguity of the offense, and that there's 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 a kind of intuitive sense in which um, platforms that are going to ban people have some kind of obligation to be very very clear about where the infraction was, yeah, and like all the way up to like enabling people to like challenge it if they if if it, if there's a appropriate gray area and it seems like twitter's kind of heavy handedness with it and and they're kind of and they kind of ambiguous the ambiguous space that they operate in where they don't really explain things to people and they can just ban people for that for any old reason and then then hide behind but my private platform as an excuse like that's the thing that people are incensed by and so i agree with jordan peterson to the extent that he was expressing discontent about that um but he he did seem to be he did seem to be kind of tacitly expressing like he was just annoyed <laughs> if not just offended by the fact that Twitter banned him even though he expressed a kind of a kind of sour grapes bitter gratitude about it of like of like of like th- like like even though I didn't like that you did this like thank you because now I have I could do better things with my time anyway like like I don't know he came up really bitter. <laughs> well, I loved it because it didn't feel staged. It felt scripted. It felt prepared, and then it felt authentic because it was him. Like it was his emotion. I, I, I he brought he emotion into it. I do think he authentically felt those emotions. Yeah, I do. I yeah. Do. Okay, so we should move on to your second story, and then I'm gonna. Go no, 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 to- we're out of time. We we can we. Are you sure? No, we got out of two, time. Two, two quick ones. We're out of time. Lightning round. You were stalling, so I'm, I'm calling you out on it. Lightning we're out round. of time. And you know what? We're going to... Okay, we'll do one quick one. But we're out of time, and I'll tell you why. Listen, we're going to have to switch this way. I'm daylight here, and it's dark on your side. So I know we're trying to fit this around work until like we get paid the big bucks. But I'm just saying, like I think maybe we have to go 5 a.m. my time, 11 p.m. No, no, 9 p.m. your time, something like that, or 10 and 6 10 p.m. your time, 6 a.m. my time. Okay, let's do one more story. That's fine. But you owe me two more stories. <laughs> I told you. We're going to talk about Boris in sort of a broader way. Broader way. I want to get to my last story. Get to your last story. Let's do your last story. She said with her hand <laughs> doing this. What's this? I don't know. I'm catching flies. It's better than this. <laughs> there's, there's this and there's that. There's actually flies around. It's really hot in London at the moment. Like, it's seriously hot. Right. You wouldn't talk, but go ahead. Go on, last story. Let's do it. All right. Speaking of speaking of hotness, all right. We're gonna we're gonna end this, this one. Culture. Yes, let's do this one. All right. Since since you're dot since you're ducking the UK stories, we're gonna we're gonna saturate the audience with the US stories. All right. So there is a video that went viral recently of uh, a Rhode Island state senator by the name of Tiara Mack, and this video features Tiara Mack. Uh, in a full handstand twerking, as you can see here. Uh, get it, girl. Um, and this was a TikTok video that went viral. Um, now, this kind of thing is the kind of thing that uh, the kind of um, purists uh, that are typically right of center would object to. Me. But, but on some level, I, I think that there is fair criticism to be had here. Um, 
And that's kind of what I want to explore because it seems like the, the more liberal progressive types uh, who are all about sex positivity and body positivity and kind of live your life and, and almost libertarian to the extreme with respect to kind of social things that, that they deem as kind of the hallmarks of the Christian right or the religious uh, in the country uh, who have all of these kind of puritanical morals that, that to them, the people left of center don't make sense. Um, yeah. There are actually like good reasons that have nothing to do with any scriptures or biblical texts, uh, why people shouldn't like behave uh, in perhaps the most uh, attention seeking sexually promiscuous ways possible. Um, mm -hmm. And with provocative dancing of this sort, um, and in and, and full scantily clad fashion. I do hear where people left to center are coming from in that there are people who are going to blow this out of proportion and overreact to it. There also is her identity as a queer black woman uh, that, that, that is definitely germane to this because um, first of all, there's a set of cultural norms and cultural attitudes uh, around this kind of behavior generally from this community um, that this could serve as a kind of uh, an uh, exemplar of of what things something we need to critique in that like her doing that uh, is is in some sense a kind of outward display of like I reject your puritanical morality. Um, but what's interesting about it is like I think there's fair criticism in terms of this being a political ploy to yeah. show her voters that she's down to earth and basically get votes. So the twerking for votes thing is interesting to me because in some sense that's that's true. Although I think oversimplified way of describing it. Um, but what she's doing is performative in its purest sense and has nothing really to do with policy. It would even be more respectable, in my opinion, if if this was in some sense connected with some kind of policy that was around, like, sex work or something like that. That would be no. more relevant, I think. But, to it wasn't. but, like, the kinds of policy positions that she stands for don't really have much to do at all with what she did. So she's not really... She's not really selling people on her policy positions in this video. This video is more like, I'm a down-to-earth person. Yeah, I twerk just like anybody else. Look at me. And I'm not like, mm -hmm. I don't have a puritanical mentality. And I'm progressive and woke. And, and I'm black. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm queer. And I'm, and I'm a woman. So those are the reasons why you should vote for me. Like, it's, it's just an interesting kind of, like, case in point in terms of, the state of politics in the United States and the kinds of things that politicians stoop to, in my opinion, uh, to gain support and get votes and please uh, their followers. So I think there's room for here for critique, although I, I would push back in some in a similar vein to the ways in which the progressives are pushing back. Maybe that's why I'm moderately confused. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of scratching the surface in terms of my my thoughts, but I just kind of want to give some background. But you're eager to get in. What do you think? Um, I was just sending you a message because I just wanted to make sure that your um, sound was balanced because I can only hear you in one and I don't want our listeners to be like, we can only hear Jason in one ear. So just quickly check your um, interface. I can, I can okay. hear myself in both ears, but I don't know. You can? Is. Okay, maybe it's just me then. Okay, I do apologize <laughs> for interrupting the momentum and the flow. I'm going to be that person who is um, not going to like this and I might surprise you. Actually, maybe you already knew this about me. So firstly, I don't care that much. If I had to have an opinion, if I had to have an opinion, I think it's ghastly. I think it's ghastly. I think it's so unnecessary. I, I, I don't like it. I think it's vulgar. Um, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not here for it. 
I, I'm not. It's it's giving ghastly, so I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I really don't like it. I really don't. And um, I I had to do a bit of research on this because you'd listed it as a story. Apparently, she needed to have a sort of a debate with another TikToker about abortion but she couldn't join the TikTok live and she needed to get her followers up she needed at least 100,000 or so followers so this did that for her essentially I am not that interested in the in in her or the, what she does or what her choices are but if I had to have an opinion I would say it's ghastly, it's vulgar, I'm not here for it. I would be then told that I must be a self-hating, my own sort of like sexual se sexuality suppressed type of a woman. Okay, fine, I am quite happy to be then. It's fine. <laughs> um, um, just f for me personally, I would say, of course, it's me personally. <laughs> I don't know why I even bothered saying that. Um, I get really irritated when other people say it. But um, yeah, I... Um, I, I have um, sort of culturally, culturally, even at my most liberal, actually, I was having this conversation with um, my sis, my sisters, and even my mom. And even when I was at my most liberal and free in my 20s, I was still considered a prude, still considered a prude. So um, it's interesting that I'm, I'm trying, the reason why I'll zoom out and not be so judgmental is because I'm uh, um, I, I'm a older lady and I can sort of look at the younger generations and have a bit of compassion for how they want to just have fun, you know. They want to just sort of like, you know, be free. Like, yes, sure, be free, enjoy it. But then the critically thinking, rational thinking part of me who looks at the sort of whole social media landscape and the fact that, and my daughter doesn't have a phone, she's 11, um, but my nieces and others and other children that I know who are forever on TikTok, I see the shit they consume that's constantly sort of being shown to them. Uh, this to me just confirms the, the already sort of very unfortunate state that I find that we're in. And that is, this is, this is liberation. This is confidence. This is great for women. And I don't believe that that's the case, but that's the messaging that's going to other women, especially the young women in my family. And I don't want them to get that messaging at all. That's the, and, and it's not because, um, well, actually, no, it doesn't matter. I don't need to, like, answer rebuttal. <laughs> There's going to be plenty. Believe me, I know that. I'm very, very well aware. I've been on Clubhouse, but also I've just been living it for, like, 40-plus years now. And I'm very, very aware of the fact that um, there'll be many. And they are friends. I, I, in fact, I'm probably the most conservative of all of my friends, of all the people in my circle. I'm the most conservative. And surprisingly so. Like, I'm really surprised at myself. I never thought I would be uh, because everyone always saw me as a hippie. to go to festivals and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, no, stop twerking on camera. This is ghastly. <laughs> Did you take a pill in Ibiza? <laughs> never mind. I asked that. Um, no, and I, no, I never did drugs. 
Okay. Well, okay. And I don't, and I don't I, drink I, alcohol. So my instinct now is to push back and play devil's advocate with you. Oh, of course. But can you before oh, you, you do oh, that? Of course. Okay. Are you sure? Oh, Are you sure? I'm going to go ham. Actually, I really want to know what you actually think. So let's not do, don't push back just because you want to be balanced. Like, I really want to hear what you think. I'll do that after, but I want to push back because I want to be balanced first. Because I want to have expansive conversations. You know how I roll. Okay, so like, uh, well, I'm genuine in my curiosity about these questions, though. These are not just for shits and giggles, but like, so one of the one of the response videos after this went viral, and you had the, the people kind of making a lot of the criticisms in the same vein as you were, uh, that that she had, um, was she pointed out that she's an Ivy League graduate. Well, because one of the things that is stereotypically associated with her just merely in virtue of the action and and, and, and actually a lot of people didn't know who she was beforehand. They didn't know this. That's not the kind of thing that they would associate or assume about a person who did this on camera is this is a person who is educated. This is a person. And with that is supposed to be conferred a sense of respectability because we typically in our society respect people who have Ivy League degrees, especially um and it can come off as elitist on one reading but on another reading which i think is more careful is what what she's pointing out is like that's a fact about me that is going to be counter to the stereotypes that people are trying to associate with me and if you really got to know me you would know better right i think that's part of the critique she's giving but also the fact that she's a queer black woman um is there's certain kinds of patriarchal and I'm, and I'm naming these things explicitly, even yeah. though I don't think she did, because this is the worldview that she, yeah. she seems to be like starting with, um, if I'm not mistaken. And there's some kind of assumptions on my part. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like, like there, there, there are all kinds of patriarchal expectations that she's breaking. And part of the breaking of these social norms and mores and expectations is the display that she did. And there's nothing, I think her messaging is, and this is, this is actually right in line with the slut walk crowd and everything like this. Her messaging is just because I break away from these kind of puritanical, patriarchal, white normative standards doesn't mean that I have no value. My value is not centered in those presuppositions. My value is centered somewhere else i value myself anyway but and i I, I, I have i the respect that i have is from myself it, it emanates from me i think that pushback is limited because it's not just about white normative standards there's other there are other non-white standards that don't really like this kind of thing can you can it's you not put... about it doesn't have to become a race thing it could become um just a what's the other word for it not moral uh, yeah moral it doesn't have to do it doesn't have to do, be about race at all and actually it doesn't have to be about class either because it made absolutely no freaking difference to me that she's ivy league educated like i didn't go to a stereotype the one that the pushback that you're providing doesn't doesn't really help me doesn't help this point that i made because i wasn't putting her into the kind of stereotypes that are used a lot in American, let's say, commentary. That's not the stereotype. I was just seeing a woman who's a senator, so clearly is qualified and did a great deal to get to that position, doing something that I thought was ghastly. Didn't matter to me that she was um, a black woman or that she's an Ivy League educated or the rest of it. I just found it to be ghastly. Like, why can't we keep it there? Why does the pushback have to be? Oh, because because it goes against white normative standards. It goes against my brown 
normative standards. But but the critique is that you are you are reflecting those normative standards. No, I'm not. I'm reflecting my standards, which aren't white normative standards. No, but but I'm saying from the point of view that I'm articulating is yeah. what they would say is actually well, I'm reflecting your, those. your standards That's actually right. are derived in a, in a fundamental way from whiteness and patriarchal standards like like yep. they're they're like like the yep. the religious traditions that that make reference to these things are male dominated and that actually is true and i think that that gives credence to the view even though you can attack the view in various different ways but that gives credence to it because from a historical perspective i think that's basically right and so what they're saying is if you're in the western civilization and you're adopting western mores and western values then then essentially what you're doing is adopting white normative standards and patriarchal normative standards no. whether you agree with it or not that's I, well, you're that, right. I mean, I, I understand your point. I'm just saying I that's that, the view. But that's not where I'm coming from because for me, it's about Islam. It's about being a Muslim. It's about my Pakistani culture, being Pakistani, Punjabi. Those things come into it rather than me perpetuating the white, normative, patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. But I hate right, that. But that tradition, according to this view, is still patriarchal, whether it's white. It's not Eurocentric, but it is patriarchal according to this view. What's Patreon? Okay, anyway, that's these 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 cultural well I don't okay, I don't want to be too controversial, but like that's if you want to end it there we can. But I I no, 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 Well the last thing I'll say is a person who is of this view could argue, particularly if it's Islam or right like like there there are in particularly certain regions of the world, they are they are strongly patriarchal and have been historically, right? So there's still the patriarchy dimension that would apply even if the eurocentrism or the white normativeness didn't apply but also you you live in the uk so you're you're still located in western civilization anyway so they can get you on the back end i think so, so. What was you i don't like these arguments at all no, what's that got to do with anything it's like we are all over the place diaspora is all over the place that doesn't mean well, where that do your values come from they like your your values are filtered through these traditions correct that's that's the view. So that's what I'm saying. So that what's, what's clever about the view is what they're honing in on is that your, your your current instantiation of your values is derived from these traditions, which are filtered through a whole bunch of influences that that always entail white men. Well, actually, well, 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 so this is where all kinds of nuance is completely missed, okay? Completely, utterly missed. My mother tongue was Urdu. I spoke Urdu first. I was born in this country, but I lived in a community with Indian and Pakistani people. The languages spoken there were Hindi, Urdu, uh, Pashto, as well as um, Punjabi, okay? Or mainly from South Asia. The majority of kids at my school were also South Asian. I didn't have, I only had a, for one white teacher. Um, but, but my point here is that my sort of like formative experience, the sort of like really crucial first seven plus years, they weren't didn't feel like oh i'm in like i'm being ruled by the white man like it wasn't like that for me well that's man this is fun for me only that's because the ways that it comes in trickles in to stamp it though it's it's you got to think about it in its abstraction the, the cleverness about the view is that whiteness is abstracted easy. away but I think well, fair enough. Easy. That's that's a fair criticism. But well, let almost me finish the view. Actually, whitewash everything. It's almost like you, if you live in the UK or if you live in the West, you are under that system, or you have been yeah. completely conditioned in that way. And I yeah. think that that's really unfortunate because what that does is unfair. It completely 
disregards the potency, the strength, the potency, the magic of culture that the diaspora sort of like passes on to its offspring, but not just the culture, the geographical, the sort of language and all the rest of it, but also the religion, the faith and all the rest of it, the potency of how it can actually be much stronger than this so-called white patriarchy, but please carry on. Well, it, it's it's more a matter of, and I'm just trying to steal men as best I can. My, yeah, yeah, I understand that it's a matter of identifying that in terms of global power structures or even power structures with respect to our respective countries, right? Mm-hmm. The, the dominance of the hierarchies politically and socially um, were dominated by Europeans. That's, that, that's true in the United States and also in where you're from. And, and, and so, like, even though you have a whole bunch of strong, potent, and very valuable cultural influences from non-white peoples, like the peoples of Southeast Asia, like the people from Pakistan, like the people uh, from India, et cetera, in, in your region of the world, and like, like African peoples here, African diaspora, many of, many of us actually, our ancestors were brought here against our will, um, yeah. like the native peoples of these countries, indigenous yeah. peoples, et cetera. Um, and even and even and even later European people who came later <laughs> and weren't considered white at first, but then they got that whiteness parents, later on. Were your parents born in America? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So my parents came from Pakistan. And they, okay, fair enough. But, but but my point is that 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 the view is consistent with acknowledging the cultural influence that, that other people have brought to these regions. You can still say, yes, there's been strong cultural influence from everywhere. In fact, one of the reasons why these Eurocentric cultures were able to be so dominant is because they amalgamated and adopted and stole a whole bunch of valuable assets from these countries and made them into their own and, and brought them into the fold, right? Like that's that's what that's how colonialism works. That's how whiteness operates. That's how, yeah. how these people think. So what they're saying is like if you if you think about it that at that abstract of a level, then you don't have to worry about the faces and the skin colors of people. What you're talking yeah. about are power structures that have yeah. been put in place by people from those places, from those yeah. regions. That's yeah. that's what you're talking about. And so yeah, you, you know longer- but by the way, it's not the colonialism in me or the colonized person in me that doesn't like the twerking. But okay, but according to this view, it's your embrace of the values that come from those power structures that is is the source of why you don't like the twerking. That's yeah. that's what the view says. Yeah. So you have to articulate where your values come from other than that explanation. And I think that's the challenge and that's that's the cleverness of this view is yeah. it ain't obvious how to argue against this kind of thing, which is why I'm challenging you because I think you can do it. You're just kind of dismissing it, but I don't know that you get to get away with that. I, I feel like... Because I think I, I spent a fair bit of time within that to see how colonization has actually impacted the diaspora and over here and also um, my thinking over the years. I'm in my 40s now, so I got to a point where... I did not just use the age card to say I'm in my 40s now I'm over it I'm not not saying that but what I'm saying is I did spend a bit of time almost obsessing over sort of seeing everything with that lens and what that does it sort of reduces everything to that and that's why I kind of push back on that because there is a real potency to these other bits these other parts of us I'm just plugging in my charger um but 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 so so of course i see the validity in what you're saying 
of course, but I just don't like it anymore because I feel as if it's such a go-to, it's become like a lazy pushback. But now I really want to hear your opinion. <laughs> I thought you forgot. <laughs> no, nah, I so my opinion is still forming. Um and and but I'll, I'll give you what I, what it is so far. So I um I had a visceral kind of discomfort with it because to me, uh, out of context, it seemed um very cringy in its in its in its attention seeking nature and its performativity. Um, and it, and it didn't seem to have any kind of non-trivial connection with anything distinctly important and political, which made it silly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't like that at first getting more and more context as more and more I read about it. I do think that there's some, there's some room for some kind of a substantive critique of, of, of reprimanding a sitting senator for doing something that is more or less harmless. Um, the extent to which it's harmful might have something to do with it um, not being a good model to be set for other young black women. Uh, I can maybe see something going down that road. Uh, but even there, like there's, there's probably room for pushback even on that. But like to me, fundamentally, what I don't like about it so far is it, 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 it makes politics a clown show mm-hmm. in a in, like it solidifies politics further into a circus than it already is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it seems to be the brainchild of the TikTok generation. The fact that poly- actual sitting senators of States are feeling pressure to display themselves in such a way on TikTok in order to come off as more appealing to voters in order to um, get enough likes to be able to enter some kind of debate. Like the fact that our politics is being conducted in that kind of a manner in the first place is where is the root of why I'm disturbed by it. The mere fact that she was twerking upside down is kind of like whatever to me. I, I, I don't think it's a good example for young women. I don't I don't like kind of public displays of of sexuality and promiscuity when they're gratuitous like that. Um and and, and, and maybe that speaks to the extent to which I have preserved or lingering conservative values. Um I do value modesty. I don't I don't think that that was <laughs> that was very not modest, but um, if there was a point to it, it would have been more respectable, but it didn't really seem to have much of a point. And that's what I was disappointed with. If she wasn't really making that big of a statement with it, in my opinion, or if she was, I don't understand it at all. Uh, maybe she can explain it better. Um, but then that's a problem of messaging. But yeah, so that's so far where I'm at with it. I'm still investigating the nuances of it, though, because I don't fully, I don't think I fully grasped what her intent was. And that matters a lot to me. And I don't think I fully grasped like, what the purpose was, even in her mind what she thought of herself as doing. And that matters to me. That's part of the intent. Um, you, you gave me, it was news to me to find out that she needed to qualify for some kind of debate that is according to what you read in your sources. So I'll, I'll try to have to fact check that if that's true, that would actually help answer the kinds of questions I still have lingering. Um, but there is like, I do have a problem with this, you know, slut walk, body positivity, just kind of like, no, it's empowering for women to be as sexually promiscuous and, and, and publicly sexual as possible. 
I do have a problem with that because that goes overboard and in a direction that I don't think is healthy for women at all. And a lot of women actually end up getting exploited, ironically enough, mm. by men when they do that. And they think that they're in control, but they're not. Um, and it has it, it, part of it is the power structures that play. So we live yeah. in a male dominated world, world, but part of it is they maximize the opportunity for people to take care of, to take advantage of their own vanity mm-hmm. and their own dispositions towards sexual promiscuity. Um, and it doesn't do really good for um, healthy relationships because it's now our dating pool is saturated with people who behave in this manner and their whole approach to dating is inculcated in this kind of cultural milieu. And so it's not that's not a good way to have like a marriage or a healthy long term relationship with one person if you're going to do the monogamy thing mm-hmm. at all. And, <laughs> so like. There are practical problems that are negatively impacting our society that I think we need to have room to talk about. And uh, yeah, a lot of these things come off as conservative, but I don't really care about that because I'm willing to talk about things in in terms of like the reality of the matter. But at the same time, I do see there's some validity to the kind of more typical feminist critiques of respectability politics, of 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 norms that are very male centric on um, the yeah. double standards that we have in our culture the fact that men can have sex with as many women as they want they get high fives but women do the same thing and they're castigated <laughs> as sluts like that like they, the feminists have a point and i want to give credence to that but they to me they go overboard in the other direction <laughs> and so there's, they, they i guess unrealistically or quixotically want to live in a world where men and women can be as sexually promiscuous as possible with like no strings attached and no consequences it's like bruh that's not how reality works there's all kinds of consequences like that to, to that kind of behavior so that's my real opinion thank you for that um so there's three things number one um she actually i think said it in an interview she, when she explained that she needed to get for her followers up so it helped to get her followers up um number two i forgot so number three let's go um i check myself i, I do check myself because um, there is a danger of throwing the baby out the bath with the bathwater. Um, so, for instance, there, there there are creators like me on TikTok actually who are doing way better. Um, there's one in particular. Shout out Sanjana, Sanjana eats or feasts. She's a South Asian Indian, I think Gujarati um, mum from London who creates these really cool recipes um, on TikTok and she's got a big following and then she's on Instagram, she's got a big following. So she used to follow me on an old TikTok account that I had to delete of my own because of all the hassle I was getting. So it didn't get like into the thousands, but it was getting there. Um, And she said to me, you're so brave for going live on TikTok because I get so much abuse from men. And I said, you're absolutely right. I don't get this on Instagram, but I get so much abuse on TikTok. So not only will they be trying to just slide into your DMs and propose A, B, and C, but because my hair is out, I'll be told that I'm doing something wrong or because I'm speaking to camera, well, I should be apparently in the kitchen covered up and I'm bringing shame on my family for talking to camera. And sometimes when I really enjoyed a good selfie and I was a little being a little bit too seductive with the camera lens. Um, I was looking into the camera a little bit too seductively. Apparently that was also not great. And so I got so much hassle and I was like, this is unfair. So, so, so that's like a really like, like a blah kind of example of, I'm not about to say, yeah, women just hide yourself. Don't like be yourselves. Like I, 
I know there's a danger with like having this attitude of um, you should not express yourself in any way. And what does expression mean? So that's why I will check myself and I want to make sure that I'm not being too... I, I just make sure I'm not being ignorant to things that, you know, I, I, like for another example, like I, whilst I am making my daughter, who's now 11, aware of femininity and modesty, I don't want her to feel suppressed. Like I don't want to suppress her. I still want her to feel free to express, to be on that school stage that she was just on um, doing a school play and production to feel confident while she's standing on stage with other boys and girls. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm not trying to um, dampen things in any way. There's strength in her femininity. There's strength in her modesty. But how do we get that? How do we get there? So, yeah, my initial answer was really judgy. Eh, yeah, not perfect. I judged. And I still find it a bit ghastly. Actually, I find it a lot ghastly. So, um, but there are arguments absolutely that I do support from feminists, but I'd have to tease them out and I would have to say, okay, this one because of this, this, and this, I can't just sort of like sign up. I'll stop. And that's why we're both moderately confused. We have reached our hour and a half limit, and uh, I have to do the outro uh, because uh, Serena demands it. Um, no, because I, we, I, I, she did the intro. Um, so thank you all for uh, uh, watching with us. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are streaming. Uh, we've been streaming live uh, to our Facebook Live, to Twitch, somehow to Twitter. I don't know how that works, but apparently. I linked it and, it and it should be working on YouTube uh, sometime soon. And we will clip the segments so that you can enjoy them in more bite-sized pieces uh, for those who want to listen to us and go to work. Uh, and we have Serena <laughs> on full display showing off our podcast. So we're, we're doing the dang thing out here. Um, so thank you all for joining us. Uh, this has been another great recording uh, warts and all. This is awesome. We're going to keep this going. Uh, keep the momentum. Keep the momentum. Keep the momentum. <laughs> and um, last thing I want to say is uh, you can uh, you can find us on all of our social media. You can find us on Clubhouse. Um, uh, the I, I normally we have an overlay with our links and stuff, but we haven't got that ready yet. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but uh, yeah, I also want uh, y'all to feel free to reach out to us if there's anything that you guys want us to, to any topics you want us to cover, any current events you want us to talk about. Uh, hit us up on any of our social media. Let us know. And uh, eventually, for these live streams, we're going to be st we're going to start to take uh, actual live questions when we get that set up. So that's going to be happening. And our official launch is coming up real soon. It's coming up into, uh, imminently. So yeah, um, anything that you want to say uh, to all of our viewers before we uh, get out of here, Serena? What he said, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs> all right. Uh, until next time, uh, stay moderately confused, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>